Well, I've written a column that's in today's Daily Telegraph about the socialist basket case of Venezuela. There was an election there on Sunday and no surprise that after rigging the ballot, jailing opponents and starving most of the populace, President Nicolas Maduro has won a second term. It is a tragedy that a country that once was the richest in Latin America with the world's largest crude oil reserves is in economic collapse with food and medicine shortages, hyperinflation reaching 6,000% soaring rates of infant mortality and homicide. People are literally starving. And this is an ideology-induced famine. Venezuela's descent into poverty and despotism follows the path of all socialist regimes. And yet we have so many Western leftists who are praising the Venezuelan government, and they have been for the last 20 years. The late President Hugo Chavez was the pinup boy of the left. It just seems that, you know, people like Oliver Stone, Sean Penn, Noam Chomsky, John Pilger, they love Latin American communism, socialism. And even a couple of months ago, two of Australia's most militant unions, the CFMEU and the MUA, passed a unanimous motion of solidarity with the socialist government of Venezuela, even while it was falling apart. Now, my next guest knows exactly what it is like to grow up in a Latin American socialist paradise, so-called. Luis M. Garcia, a former journalist and communications consultant and author of a brilliant book about growing up in Cuba, Child of the Revolution. And he's in the studio. Hi, Lewis. Good afternoon, Is it Miranda. Lewis? It is Lewis? It is. It Close is Lewis. Not, is it Louis or Lewis? Lewis. Luis. Okay. <laughs> Sounds much, much nicer. It does, but it's difficult to pronounce. So. We were former colleagues way back we when. A long, the long time ago, yeah. about two or three lifetimes At ago, another I newspaper. Think. At another newspaper. Yes, that we weren't, me- we weren't mentioned back then. <laughs> so look, it must just infuriate you as someone yep. who grew up in Cuba, who escaped from Cuba mm. and Fidel Castro's terrors, mm. um, to see the way, again, another socialist so-called paradise, Venezuela, has been fated by the left. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a never-ending story, you know. It's that romanticism that, uh, that places like Cuba, but previously to that, uh, or, or post-Cuba, now Venezuela, have with, with uh, a certain type of Western intellectual um, who's driven, I guess, largely by an anti-American... Uh, anti-American feelings or anti-American plan of some sort. Venezuela is a basket case, and it's been particularly for the last 10 years or so, but for the last 20 since Chavez uh, uh, was initially elected, it's been a basket case, and yet you have people supporting it. But then again, I'm used to that, because for nearly 60 years, um, Western liberals have been supporting another complete basket case, which is the Castro regime in Cuba. So, Luis Garcia, tell us about your childhood in Cuba. Um, Look, I was born uh, just a few months after Castro came to power, so Mm. I've only known Castro in the Cuban sense for all of my life, uh, which is amazing when you put it in that context. Mm. And essentially, um, my parents were um, small shop owners. They owned a, a haberdashery shop in a very you know, small but very prosperous town. They were doing quite well. Castro came in in 59, at the beginning of 59, and within three or four years, it became quite clear 
that uh, this wasn't going to be what he'd promised. And certainly the promises of free elections and, and a whole host of other things just didn't eventuate. And I think my parents eventually, my parents who initially were quite supportive, eventually decided that the time uh, this wasn't going to work. Uh, so in 68, they decided that it was time to go. And it took them but about... But they gave it nine years. They gave it nine years. Yeah. They gave it nine years. And I think that the, the, the tipping point was the fact that when Castro first came in, he um, confiscated all the large businesses. Mm. But it wasn't until 67, 68 that he confiscated small businesses. Like and your after, parents? Like my parents. And wow. then after 68, everything was owned by the state, which it largely still is. Mm. Again, 50... So what happens when the government confiscates your shop? Do you still have to work in it? Well, it's uh, yes, yes, you do. In fact, uh, my, my my mother remembers, my late mother remembers, uh, turning up at the shop one morning, and there were uh, police officers outside who said, "You are no longer the exploiter of 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 the of the people. Uh, we've got an administrator in place, but you've got to go in and work as well." Which so you become the exploitee. <laughs> you become the exploitees. <laughs> but in that kind of Kafkaesque yeah. um, idiocy of of Marxism or communist regimes, particularly at that time, my father was told that instead of managing the shop, he would be sent to manage a biscuit factory in town, which he had no idea of how to do, and he was there for about 18 months, and obviously it was a disaster because he didn't know how to manage a biscuit mm. factory. And what happened but to the original owners of the biscuit factory? They're probably in the gulag. Yeah, they were somewhere else. Yeah. Who knows? Or probably left. And did you pick up on all of this when, as a child? Uh, you do. I think you... Um, I, I did anyway. I think that... Um, you could see, because from a very early age, you're indoctrinated. I mean, this is mm. the great thing about about a, a whether it's Venezuela or Cuba or the old Soviet Union or East Germany. Is or that, Victoria. Or Victoria, <laughs> from, or Victoria is that from the very beginning, from the moment you go to preschool, you're indoctrinated, right? And you belong to, it, it's, you belong to whether it's if you are a, in primary school, you, be, you belong to the young pioneers. Mm. And the Soviet Union had the same system. Cuba simply copied that and added, uh, you know, beaches, sunshine, right. and, and, and palm trees. And then when you go to high school, you belong to the high school association. These are all Communist Party control, obviously. Then at university, you join something else and so on. So you're constantly being indoctrinated. And it's a big difference, I think, between um, a right-wing dictatorship and a left-wing dictatorship. Uh, if you look at Chile, for instance, um, you know, provided uh, under Pinochet, provided that you didn't get involved in politics, you kind of could do more or less what you wanted. You could travel in and out of the country. You could continue to make money. You could continue to to live a fairly normal life. And not for a minute. And am I? being an apologist no, for the Pinochet no. regime. Mm. The difference with a socialist or communist dictatorship is that you are not allowed to opt out. You are always having to opt in. As soon as you opt out, say if you apply like my parents did to leave Cuba, you become a counter-revolutionary and you're in serious strife. Oh, so what happened when your parents decided that they well, wanted to Well, when my parents... Um, <clears throat> the, the process then, and, and again, it's not just my parents, you know, nearly a million Cubans yes. who, who left during that time uh, had the same issue. Uh, the first thing that happens is that you lose your job. 
uh, and you are sent to cut sugar cane in the countryside. And quite liberally, uh, you are sent to the furthest place, or you were sent to the furthest place from home just to make sure that um, you wreck families. Mm, um, you wreck families, yeah. You did, you did. Yeah. My mother had to look after my brother and I. Because uh, your father was sent away, was he? He was sent away to cut sugar cane for three years. Wow, Until they really? decided, you've paid your price uh, for being a uh, counter-revolutionary, now we'll let you leave the country. It wasn't, really? it wasn't a unique case, uh, but, yeah, that's, and what that's about the way it worked. Were there food shortages, medicine shortages? Yes, from about mm. 62, and, in fact, even to this day, Cuba continues to have a rationing card for essentials, uh, which the government sells as a way of making sure that everyone has something to eat, mm. which is true. It's just that the rationing card only gives you a week's worth of food. Then you have to see how you can find the other three weeks. Right. How, so, so having lived through all that, and mm. then your family made it to Australia. Yeah. Why did they choose to come here? Um, I guess my well, I guess my father always had this impression that places like Australia and Canada, in particular, were great new societies where, if you work hard, you could make a go of it. And in fact, that's exactly what's, what what happened to them. They were very happy and very, very, um, as I am, um, very uh, grateful to, uh, to have ended up in Australia. So you now, you know, you've seen socialism mm. in action. You've escaped yes. from it. Does it astound you that here we are, this month is the 200th mm. anniversary of Karl Marx's yes. birth, uh, and you, you get all this uncritical coverage yeah. of Marxism? Absolutely. It's just, uh, it's, it's just mind-blowing that you end up in a situation where um, um, a, a, a philosophy that clearly has failed, at least in its application, uh, continues to attract adherence, whether it's you know, the MUA or uh, some Greens or whoever it may be. Mm. It's just amazing. It's the classic, uh, I guess Lenin said it best when he talked about useful idiots mm. uh, and fellow travellers that kind of supported this kind of political ideology regardless it's of the It's killed millions and millions exactly. of people and it exactly. keeps on going. And, and it we keeps can on see going. it today and in Venezuela. And you can see it today. You can see it today in Venezuela, which was going to be the great hope of 21st century uh, socialism. Well, it hasn't worked very well. It I mean, the place worked. is an absolute basket case. It's, it's, it's now at a stage. It reminds me very much of where Cuba was probably in about 64, 63, 64, except uh, probably worse. I could talk to you all day, Lewis. It's Next fantastic time. to talk to you about this subject. So interesting. We'll get you on again. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That was uh, Lewis M. Garcia, who is uh, author of this wonderful book called Child of the Revolution and also is a former journalist and communications consultant. And after this, we will be talking about the Wayne Bennett drama. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.